Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the Women's Social Club chapters are open now in Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, D.C., Denver, Jacksonville, Florida, Memphis, Miami, New York City, Pasadena, California, Wilmington, North Carolina, with multiple chapters in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the surrounding areas. If you're in those cities, come join us at thewomensocialclub.co. And if you don't hear your location, visit our website and click start your own chapter. We'll see you soon and let's get to the show. I'm giving myself space to dream big, but that's also why groups like this are so important so that when you do have these moments of things being hard and having a hard time finding those positive things to say to yourself that you have a community of women who've got your back, who can do that for you. To all my hustlers, dreamers, love dealers, I'm that kind of girl. Work hard, play hard, for my own heart, might just rule the world. Welcome to the Women's Social Club, a women supporting women group where we make it easier to connect with new friends and our communities while supporting our local women-owned businesses. I'm Hannah Weisberg, founder and CEO of WSC, And on the show today, we're in front of a live audience at one of my favorite restaurants with one of my favorite people. Sarah Abernethy is the co-owner of both Y Hill Kitchen and Brewing in downtown Raleigh and the stunning new Glasshouse Kitchen in Research Triangle Park. Sarah is the first person I thought of when starting this podcast because Y Hill was such a special part of the Women's Social Club's founding story. In the middle of the pandemic, we were meeting at parks to stay outdoors, and then I connected with Sarah to ask if we could use Y Hill's outdoor patio for some of our events. She graciously said yes, and all of a sudden, we were having three meetings a month on their patio, which has the absolute best view of downtown Raleigh. It truly helped make WSC what it is today, and I'm forever grateful to Sarah. That was 2020. Fast forward to 2022 and Y Hill is doing great. Sarah and her husband, Chris, decided to start another venture, a restaurant with floor to ceiling windows, all of the natural light, a stately quartz bar and hanging greenery on the walls and ceilings. With apps and sparkling rosé in front of us, we're at the perfect spot for our first live podcast recording. How it all came to be and how Sarah is our guest today is the Women's Social Club really started at Y Hill. What a time. (laughs) What a time that was. It was. It was such dark days. Yeah. (laughs) But you guys were a light. You were a beacon of light. Oh. Amidst the, you know, tunnel of doom that we so often felt. But no, you guys were such a fun group. Especially in the winter months. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's when you saved us. Um, I mean, you... Did so much for us too. I mean, to have your group come in every month was so joyful and inspiring. And our team loved having you also. You guys were great guests. We loved it. It was nice to have a home base because starting a community that is based on women coming together in person during a pandemic when you're not allowed to be in person was, I was kind of like, what am I doing? But I needed it so much. It was a more act now and then plan later. So meeting in parks turned into reaching out to Sarah and Chris at Y Hill and being like, 
So you guys have this amazing outdoor patio, which we're going to get into later, the details of that. And it has heaters. It has coverings so we don't have to reschedule if things, you know, get canceled because of weather. And you guys just hosted us. And I would send Sarah our our calendar of events. And they would literally let us book, you know, tables for about 20 women three times a month. And we hunkered down there from January of 2021 to May. Yeah, spring. Yeah. I mean, it was a season. It was a long time. Um, But it was really cool because one of my favorite events that we did with you guys was actually your event. So having (laughs) women owners come on, it's like, what better way? But your story was really cool. So I'm excited to dive in a little deeper than what we were able to go into um, during the event because it was a wine tasting event Mm -hmm. and we'll go into how it was a wine tasting event. So how it all started, Sarah, you did not always know that you were going to be in hospitality. (laughs) No, no, no. If you've seen that comic or cartoon of where you like expect your career trajectory to go and it's a straight line and then what it actually is is this curvy, jumbly mess of a maze (laughs) where sometimes you're going north, south, east, west, up, down. So no, I did, I did not know. I originally set out to be a singer and a musician. Shocking. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not know that? Oh my gosh. (laughs) So both of my parents are musical. My dad still is out in the world playing, working on uh, individual uh, solo albums and um, focusing more on folk music, but he's also got a long career in video game and computer game score composition. Nice. Um, and my mom had a wonderful career as a, a classical pianist and teacher, so it's always been in the blood. Yeah. But that was what I set out to do, and naturally to like make ends meet and be able to feed myself. I had many a job in hospitality. Yes, that makes sense. Uh, And so I was very, I loved it. I mean, I loved the community aspect. I always, always loved to eat and drink. I mean, I really was that kid that was obsessed with like, what's my next snack? What's my next meal? And I was really drawn to, you know, food prep and consumption (laughs) um, at at a young age as well. So it didn't surprise me that, you know, this is where we've landed, but definitely was not the intention. And you met Chris during that phase of being in music and theater. Yes, ish. So I, um, and Chris is your husband, by Chris the way. Is my, and Chris co-owner. is my, my baby daddy, my <laughs> life partner and business partner. Yes. Um, we see each other a lot and we still like each other. Isn't that, that crazy? I mean, that's a good, that's a good place to start. <laughs> I know. I still like him. So I had, after college, had actually moved to Germany to be an au pair for a German family where the mom was an opera singer. And that was super appealing to me because my degree was in vocal performance. I left that to move to New York City and like really dig my heels into the theater community there. And after a couple of years of that, I had um, taken an opportunity to be in the fundraising department at Carnegie Hall and just learn about Mm -hmm. like, what is that? You know, what is there a world on the other side of art making that could be for me? 
And in one of these like big magic moments, like everything in New York City fell apart for me, like in a few days time. Oh like, my God. I, like my internship ended at Carnegie Hall. I got fired from my waitressing job, like out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I remember looking at my calendar being like, oh my God, there's nothing, like I have nothing in the future. Like there is nothing on my calendar. I have no wow. shifts. I have no more auditions. The audition season was over. And I just sort of started looking everywhere for opportunities. It really was a gift because it made me be completely open to any opportunity anywhere. And I ended up getting offered a job in fundraising at La Jolla Playhouse in San Diego. And my parents at the time were like, you're moving to California? That's insane. You know no one? Like, how are you going to get there? You know, I mean, how is it all going to work? But it did work. And I have to say, like, seriously, the, the second week I was there, I met Chris. And it really wow. was like running into a brick wall at 100 miles an hour. I mean, it just was like, oh, this is what, like, this yeah. is why everything blew up because you were supposed to come out here and meet this person. And, you know, Isn't that was that ele crazy? 11 years ago. I know. It, it was, it felt crazy, but it also felt so, I felt super grounded through that whole experience. Yes. And it was very exciting for me. Um, I think my family was really terrified. And not I knowing not, logistics. I, no, I mean, like I had to buy a car. I had to figure out an apartment. You know, I had like two suitcases of belongings. I didn't have a bed. I'm just, I don't know. But at that time in my life, it did not feel scary. I've taken a number of these really large leaps. I remember that response to taking the au pair gig too in Germany where everyone was like, <gasps> like you're leaving the country. What are you doing? You don't speak German. What if the dad hits on you? Like what if like, you know, like you end up like out on the street, you know, what? Da, da, da. I don't know. I just, the these steps in my, in the course of my twisty winding career path that have been right have never felt scary. And that actually is 100% the case with, the Y Hill story as well. Amazing. So yeah. you met Chris yes. and you guys obviously became serious and he turned to you one day and was like, I have this fun idea. He did. We had spent, <laughs> this was back in, we were still in California we were trying to imagine like, what is our life? Like, you know, what is yeah. the next step of our life? Are we going to be in Southern California renting forever? You know, could we ever move anywhere different and mm -hmm. and build something? You know, we kind of had like we joked about this like Chip and Joanna Gaines, mm -hmm. you know, like fixer upper kind of vibe because he's very handy. And I suggested like, why don't you take a look on Zillow at the housing prices in Raleigh? Why don't you just take a look? And what made you guys think Raleigh? I admit I did Jedi mind trick. <laughs> him into that situation because my family is here you know I go I grew up here I go way back and I didn't really know what was in store but we both knew we really really wanted to be able to own our own home that kind of was like where we kept coming back to and we wanted to build a thing but we didn't know what the thing was yes. like maybe it was flipping houses or he kept talking about an event space or like a number of different things. And he was ready also. He'd been in theater for over 20 years. So yeah. he was ready for the next step. So we did make the leap. We got engaged. We packed everything in the car and drove back here. You know, again, like, I think if you just open your eyes and pay attention, the right things come your way. And we were introduced to the previous owner of Boylan Bridge. 
Yes, which Rip I've up. heard he was quite particular. Like, he was not someone that... Oh, my God. That man received so many yes. offers to buy the the previous business that was there because... I mean, it's a stunning location. There's an, an incredible location. So much potential. Everybody knew he was ready to move on. And he just was waiting for the right person. Yep. And Chris spent, like, six months courting this man. <laughs> like... Dating. Like he was dedicated. Dating. Yeah. Yeah. And he kept coming back being like, I think I'd be really good at running a restaurant. I think I'd be really, really good at it. And I'm like, I have never seen you wash a dish in your life. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you've never worked in a restaurant. Like, I have. Let me tell you what it really is. And, like, you probably don't want that. Yeah. Um, but the more he kept going back and spending time with, you know, the previous owner and the more I kept thinking about it, it just, there was, like, this current of electricity that kept coming back of like, well, what if, you know, like, what if you ran a restaurant? What if you turned this place over? Like, what if you used your fixer upper skill set and your love for food and beverage and your ability to think outside the box, like what could be possible? And then he flew his brother out, my brother-in-law, Brian, who owns restaurants and bars in Salt Lake City, who has done this, done this a number of times over. And we said, Brian, please come out. We want to show you this place. And we want you to talk us out oh, of doing this. That's a very unique Because person. anytime somebody, like anytime in my past I have talked to a restaurant owner, they all say, oh, my God, don't do it. Yeah. They all say that. Don't do it. And you're like, but it'll be so fun. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> the like, Pinterest can, version. Can you do anything else? Is there anything else you can do? Yeah. Brian came out. He took a tour of the space. We, you know, had a beer on the patio. And he said, you guys have to go for it. Wow. You have to go for it. And with that, that was like that the was nail the in the coffin. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. And I love how you mentioned your skills in theater and different things like that, how it contributed to the DIY because 100%. literally your patio, because I went when it was um, the business before and it's um, it's so nice because it is fully covered and you still have this amazing view. We didn't know about COVID. We'll get into that. But you guys built the patio. Like, I mean, you built out and designed the patio. I will give Boylan Bridge credit. That patio used to be parking spaces. Wow. Before Boylan Bridge Brew yeah. existed. True. So they, it was an original vision of not Chris and Sarah that wouldn't it be awesome if there was a patio that overlooked the skyline? Yes. But what we saw was, wouldn't it be awesome if this patio was a, like, tightened up version of itself and was usable all year round and wouldn't yes. it be awesome if it was a little more elevated and like was a little more flexible for different kinds of experiences like not just people wanting to grab a casual beer but what if you could do a rehearsal dinner out here yes. what if you could do you yoga. know professional gatherings yoga yeah. I mean we just saw all of that and we did you know every single um, relief package we got during COVID we invested in the patio space yes so it actually wasn't fully covered until 2020. We had like this hilarious tarp like over the pergola, which I think was everyone fine. did. I think um, everyone did during that time. But we did invest in winterizing it. Mm -hmm. We invested in misters, in permanent fans, and in 
permanent covering. Mm -hmm. And also at this point, we've replaced the flooring with, this is like boring, you know, no, um, DIY isn't. stuff, but like the flooring is now Trex. So like we don't have to paint it anymore and it's going to look Love. Um, much better with all the wear and tear that goes on. Yes, that makes total sense. Yeah. And that was where I was going to next. And then COVID. So how long did COVID. you guys have the space <laughs> open before COVID hit? So we took over Boylan Bridge. Oh, I think a lot of people actually don't know this. We ran Boylan Bridge Brew Pub as it was for about nine months. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah. So we took it over in September of 2018 because we knew there's a lot we don't know. And we don't really know what this space is asking to be. And it's a very unique spot. It's quirky. The kitchen, the kitchen of Y Hill, I exaggerate not when I say it is the size of this table. <laughs> the kitchen at Y Hill is the the like ability to walk around is the size of this wow. table. So we were like, how do we optimize it? What does it want to be? And it already was an established brand that had people coming to it. So we took our time figuring out like What's the concept? What's the idea? That how is are we so gonna, smart. How are we going to build this team? Because we knew we weren't going to do it alone. So we gave ourselves nine months to figure that out. And then we opened as Y Hill in June of 2019. And I do remember that first winter being probably one of the hardest chapters of my life before COVID. The first winter yeah. of 2019, going through like that first seasonal dip every week being like, are we going to be able to open next week yeah like, are we gonna be able to pay everybody are we gonna be able to make payroll yeah and like let me tell you what like we took on a lot of personal we made a lot of personal choices is how I'll say it to make those things happen mm -hmm. like a true leap of faith because the facts were you know what was coming in was not meeting the expenses and that was very very scary so I had this date in mind of like St. Patrick's Day like, if we can just get oh. to St. Patrick's Day, oh. then it'll be spring, <laughs> and then it'll be spring weather, and then we'll be good. And guess what day we closed for COVID? Oh, yeah, March 17th. St. Patrick's yeah. Day yeah. was the day we were ordered to shut down. Yeah. That day Cooper. is cemented in my mind. Yeah. I, too, I had an event and workshop space all indoors, same day. I mean, we were supposed to launch the Women's yeah. Social Club March 19th. Oh, bless your heart. And we had our oh, entire God. space booked through 2020, all of our speakers for Women's Social Club booked through 2020, and we had to return it all. It was just, and I ended up closing, but that was when the spark hit. It was like, the Women's Social Club can still be something, and yeah. I am going to make it my mission to pour in other women-owned businesses so that they don't have to go through that. Like, if we can lean on each other, like, that's the goal. Yes. So, like, you guys, though, you know, I have my partner. So he's, you know, he has a job. He has a safety net for me to fall back on. You guys are both tied to this business. So... It's actually something that a lot of people also don't know. Okay. I worked a full-time sales job until last year. What? You did both? Yes. Oh, my God. No. I can't even imagine what And that we was. made that decision because we had to eat. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and so when COVID hit, I'm like, all right, I'm I I got to keep going. Yeah. Like I fortunately was not furloughed at the time and like we had to keep going, but I wow. I was 9 to 5 and 5 to 9 for the last 4 years. 
And like we did what we had to do to make it work. But I mean, I'm sure you all can relate to this as entrepreneurial people where, you know, like you got to do what you got to do. You do. Um, but I don't say that out loud very often. Wow. Not, not on purpose. I yeah. just, um, it's important to remember the investment put into it uh, and how long that took because I also towards the end of my tenure at my most recent company, which I lo- I really did love. They were yeah. wonderful people to work for and we parted ways on excellent terms and are still friends to this day. They're wonderful supporters of the restaurant. But I just remember feeling like, oh my God, when is it? Like, when <laughs> is the time? Like, when is the time where I'm going to make this leap? And like, when is it going to be right? And it just finally got to this point of realizing that that time is never going to reveal itself, actually. And you are the one that's going to have to make that choice. It was very scary. I feel that in my bones. <laughs> it was very scary yeah. to take that leap. That um, makes sense. And so, like, COVID hit. COVID so hit. So you were, yep. like, oh, St. Patrick's Day is finally <laughs> around the corner. We're almost there, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened? Like, how did you huddle together like what was the mindset did you have a plan like what did that look like oh man I mean I feel like everyone no. was very just like, <laughs> like reaction I mean uh, we're very yeah. reactionary but like how did you make it through mentally and then you know keeping it going so I have like two very real answers number one no there was no plan it I mean, really yeah. was like Chris and I going to the shop every day being like, okay, now what? And now what? And sometimes hour by hour. So originally we were like, okay, let's do to-go meal kits. And we tried that. And that was, you know, not super successful. And then we tried, you know, promoting like toilet paper and like beer and wine to go and just oh like God, really throwing paper, and then yeah. being like, well, let's spend this time telling our story. And it was hour by hour. Yeah. But we were in the shop every single day. There was also a sliver of that time where we were like let's take this opportunity to paint things and like finish things that we wanted to do last year but we didn't get to um and that time was great because it felt like we were actually doing something right you were being productive um but the second real answer I have for you is the biggest lesson to come out of that time that I think everybody can relate to is how not in control of anything you are Mm -hmm. and how much you do not know yeah and that's those are two things that I still am revisiting every single day as a new mom, Mm -hmm. as now being in the seat of two shops instead of one. I am not in control and I do not know everything. In fact, I don't know most things, like most of the things to know, I do not know them. But it also shows you like (laughs) what you're capable of. Like if someone would have told me three years ago that I would be doing what I'm doing today, I was someone who literally would hide in church when they'd be like, okay, now turn around and shake the hand of the person beside you. I'd be like, duck and run, duck and run. I hate, it was the most awkward part of like going to church at that time. That's another episode for another day. But literally like I would never have believed I would be where I'm at. And I think it's just the power of community coming together. I think that's truly like if the pandemic showed us anything, I mean, we all, all were hit. There was no one not affected. And everyone, I think 
you know, yes, some some bad things, I mean, a lot of bad things happened, but a lot of people showed their true colors in a good way. And we came together and we supported each other in, in ways that were, you know, exciting and surprising. And it really came full circle in that way. Let's take a break to tell you about our sponsor, Industrious. Industrious is your all-in-one solution for co-working, private offices, and on-demand meeting space. With over 160 locations globally, Industrious is committed to providing an unparalleled work experience, all-inclusive amenities, and flexible terms to support teams of all sizes and stages. Just like Women's Social Club, Industrious is all about community and connection, and maybe some happy hours as well. Head on over to industriousoffice.com and use promo code WSC for a free week of co-working. That's industriousoffice.com, promo code WSC. All right, let's get back to the show. And I think one of my favorite stories specifically about you guys is you finding your way into being a sommelier. Yes. And that is really cool. Definitely something joyful and wonderful to have come out of that time. I do think the lessons learned about being flexible are, I mean, for me, where I'm at now, they have served me so well in the opening of Glasshouse Kitchen. Yeah. Like not being so rigid on like, it has to be this way. Like with certain, or like you just rather, you learn where and when to be a stick in the mud and where and when to just like be the tide. Like be one with the tide and go with the flow. I think that specifically in hospitality will be, will serve Chris and us well for as long as we want to be here. Um, But yes, I did. I was not like, I just needed joy. I needed a sliver of joy to combat all of the hard things that were going on. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say to you Mm. was like, I'm personally finding now, and then I'll get back to the happy stuff, but I'm personally finding now that like a lot of the, the grief and hard feelings from 2020 is coming up for me now in a way of like, you will deal with me now. Oh, absolutely. And I'm feeling it mentally, like physically. And because in 2020, it was like, yeah, I just have to keep going. Like, there's no time for this. But now I'm like, why am I crying all the time? Or like, why am I, why, like, I've had, I've been sick this year more than I, I never get sick. Yeah. Never. I was one of those unicorns that never got COVID. Mm -hmm. And like, I keep getting sick. And I just, it keeps coming back to like, oh, these are things that were always there that needed to be dealt with that are now like forcing you to deal with them. And it's just like a processing of all the hard stuff. But I I hope if anybody else out there is feeling that way, I hope that by sharing that, I can make you feel like you're not alone. I mean, it makes sense. It It makes me feel seen because specifically this week has been a really hard week when actually we're finally two and a half years later, like coming out of the cloud and the heaviness of losing a business. Yes. Paying off a business loan that was tied to our mortgage. Thought I was going to lose my house. Girl. And then also (laughs) just having a kid and navigating all of it with with 
him. It's just been a lot. So I don't know this week, like we're actually in a really good spot. Like I'm excited every day about what I do. The women's social club is growing. And then my husband is growing in his career. My son is just thriving and I have been struggling. And I told Brian the other day, I was like, I don't know why, but because all of these things are good and I can't put my finger on a reason like why and he was like I've been wondering why too like what is going on and I'm just and so until you said that now it's like well that makes sense yeah because you're in just survival mode survival mode and and those heavy emotions do reckon to be faced eventually but also yes. like when the good stuff lands you've got to be open to receiving right? it yes. you've got to be ready to receive yes um so speaking of receiving wine um <laughs> uh, yes so back to your question about wine land i did take the opportunity in 2020 to pursue something i had wanted to for a long long time i always loved wine wine's always been my jam but i just didn't think that i was like I had a lot of imposter syndrome about pursuing wine professionally because I thought, well, I'm, you know, our restaurant's not fancy or I'm not fancy or for like a number of excuses I I made about why I couldn't do it. But a really dear friend of mine, Rachel Brody, encouraged me to just take this opportunity now during 2020 and sign up for your level one WSET class and certification like who like who cares you know I mean like who cares what it is or what it isn't or if you pass or if you don't she also became my accountability buddy because she also really wanted to pursue that as well and it was like getting bit by the bug and you're like oh my gosh you know like each step that you take into wine education land it just opens up this whole new world of more to learn and I just also found that to be so fun at that time because tasting wines and learning Mm -hmm. about wines from different areas of the world felt a little bit like travel I mean like that makes sense it was like I could go in my mind's eye to the Piedmont in Italy or I could go to Champagne or I could go to South Africa or Australia I mean all these places that I physically could not go yeah and get a taste of that and um, learn about the history and learn about the physical land. Oh, there's Chris and Joey. Bye, guys. Oh. Seeing Chris with the stroller always just <laughs> warms my heart so much. It's so cute. Um, so that also really helped. And it helps to have a, an accountability buddy. And before I knew it, I had taken and passed the level one. And then, you know, Rachel said, should we keep going? Yeah. Like, yeah, we should keep going. And so at this point to date, both of us are certified in the level three of four with the WSET curriculum specifically, we decided not to go the route of the court of master sommeliers, which is the other more renowned educational program for a number of reasons. But really we liked that WSET seems to offer a more holistic education as opposed to like just become a really badass blind taster. And like, that's cool, but that's not really what we were looking to get yes that makes sense and I'm so glad I did because had I not taken those steps I could not have done this wine program at Glasshouse Kitchen no way Mm -hmm. you know and just also the other benefit of it personally is even if you know we were to like throw everything up to the wind tomorrow I just feel so much more confident navigating a wine shop or you know a wine list at a restaurant it's so fun 
And you were like, Chris would get so excited about the beer menu. Yes. And now you were able to contribute to that in your own way yes, for the wine. For sure. And it be really a, a pairing of you guys. Yes. Coming together. Definitely. Definitely. And there's no reason that if you were to go to a brewery that has fantastic beer, that you shouldn't also have fantastic wine selections. If yes. you don't drink beer, yes. no reason to have shitty wine. So I appreciate that there. personally because right? I am not a beer drinker. I'm a wine drinker, and I really appreciate when it's not just three options yeah. and someone can explain the options yeah, and totally. just like they do with beer, like how they explain all the different things. And I get excited because I'm just now learning why I like certain things and why I don't like certain things. And it's helpful so for me. So fun. Because then I'm not just drinking something because it's there. I'm like enjoying yeah. it and appreciating it. And then I get excited about it. And then I take a bottle to my friend's house. Yes. And then they get excited about it. And then it does feel like this full circle. Totally. Moment. Well, the other reason why your event was so fun for me is because like doing the live tasting with the club was like this magical combination of the theater yes. stuff, the theater skills. for Because I was the onstage it was so person while Chris was the backstage person. And then all this new wine knowledge, which I was so stoked to share. Which we were excited to enjoy. Super fun. Yes, it really was. Yeah. And now we're sitting in your second location, which we did that event in March of 2021. And now we're in a completely new space. So Was glass that only house. Only a year and a half ago. Yes, it feels like five it was like years ago. Five years ago. I know it really does. I feel like COVID <laughs> just like yeah. there's a whole two years that didn't happen. Yeah. But then also time like it's like the Twilight by. Zone. Yeah, Crazy. it like doesn't it doesn't equate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how did glass house like come to be? Like how did that take shape? We were introduced to the group here, mm -hmm. the campus, by a friend and colleague, Max Trujillo, who is a presence in the food and beverage community here in the Triangle. If you love food and beverage, you yes. should listen to the North Carolina Food and Beverage Podcast, of which he is the host. You know Max. You guys go way back. <laughs> and also, Max just opened up Crafton, uh, which is a kitchen concept out in yes. Nightdale, so go check that out. Max helped us originally think through opening Y Hill because he had had experience specifically in doing that and we had not. It was great to have him. He did a lot of great things for us for sure, no question. And one of those was he was the original connection between this group and us. Okay. He ultimately decided that he wanted to focus on pursuing Crafton. And so it's all good. Yeah. Um, but originally this concept of where we're sitting was supposed to be something entirely different than Glass Isn't that House. crazy, yes, though? Yes, but that was pre-COVID yeah. also, you know, and these conversations were, like, very budding. Um, but over time, you know, the more things evolved, this campus always knew that they wanted some kind of food amenity space that was available to the tenants but also happened to be open to the public but mm -hmm. wasn't, like, some lame employee cafeteria yeah that it's was very elevated yes but it's also approachable so you don't feel weird coming in oh, for you lunch took it right you took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth that's exactly what we were going for and it was a really tall order like how do you create an a concept that could potentially serve a board dinner of 12 and you know like 
all of the high touch service that that requires, but people who want to come in and have pizza and a cocktail after work, like what we're doing right now. Yes. So that was the task at hand. We partnered with, oh no, it's crazy. It's like huge, like spectrum of experiences. Um, It has taken a long time, but it's all good. So the conceptualization of it was also happening like sort of the same time wildly that we were trying to figure out how Y Hill operated in a post-COVID world. And then it really came online in terms of like construction last fall. Okay. And so that's been fast. I mean, yes, did, but no. Yes, but, like, but no. I mean, and there were supply chain delays that were a yeah, nightmare. Yeah. There were, you know, inspection-y things that were difficult. There were staffing things that felt like we were never, ever, ever, ever yes. going to find enough see people the other to side. Be, see the other side because of the great resignation and people just trying to figure out, like, what am I doing now? A oh lot of people goodness. left hospitality and are not returning. But it, I am so proud of what it has become. I will say investing in branding has been a really big deal for us. So my role in the company now has evolved such that I oversee, I call myself the chief feelings officer, but it's like I oversee how the brand itself, like what's going out into the world is connecting to what's happening inside the physical shops. I like that. It's big. Yeah. It's like a lot, like what does that mean? Sometimes I have to like reassess what that means on a daily basis, but Investing in branding from the beginning, which is what we did with both Glasshouse and Y Hill, has really, really come around tenfold for us. And I mean, you know, it was. And you do that. And you do that yourself? No, no, no. Oh, so. You're like, so. <laughs> I, so I am not a, a graphic designer by any means, but we have worked with both uh, Mike Rosado, okay. MRC Raleigh, who helped us with our Y Hill branding. And we worked nice. with Paul Tordo, who helped <gasps> us with yes. Glass House. Yes. And they are artistic people who oh can take gosh. all of my word floof and then, like, put it into a comprehensive brand package. And then what I can do once I have that is take the brand package and mm-hmm. then, like, bring it to life. But that was a missing piece that neither Chris nor I could do. So That's we had such to a good tidbit that. to put out there for future or current business owners because... I mean, I definitely always encourage people to just start because of course. you learn as you go. Like I had a crappy website when we first launched and you just put it out there with what you can, with what you have. But that's a learning lesson. You know, branding is everything. Well, it's the connective tissue of your business. Yeah. And it's like it is everything and nothing. Like it's a million things, you know. But like it has to feel simple. Which is actually really complicated. It is so when an experience is simple, the more simple it is, the more complex the process to get that experience to life. Yes, I totally agree. And I will say, Chris and I are very, very intentional. One of our core values for our company is give a shit. Literally give a shit. Yeah. And so we're very intentional about our branding, our fonts, our logos, like where everything goes, how it goes there. And we just feel like we also, it, it, it is an expression of us in its own way, mm-hmm. too. And so keeping connected to that 
is also very important. I love that. So plans for the future. So obviously you are running two businesses now. You have a tiny human at home. So are you focused on growing this, what you've built? Do you have big dreams for like five years from now, things that you hope to do? I do have to say I'm giving myself space to dream big. Yeah. Like, not that anything has to happen Come right to away. Fruition. Right. But I right haven't now. had space to really ask myself, what do you want mm-hmm. since we made this move to Raleigh? Which was five years ago. And a lot's happened, yeah. And a lot's happened. I don't have a lot of time to think brain space, <laughs> think brain space, because I, like, you know, have a tiny human. And yeah. so there's not a lot of, right, like, the to-do list is never ending, and it feels like it's always falling off the ta- like piece of paper is just like falling off the table of all the things that need to be done but I want to allow myself space to really dream about what could be next mm-hmm. because my biggest fear is that you know why hill like we would be that's a risk you take when you go right. to restaurants like you give it everything and it could not work right but that's clearly working it is which is wonderful glass house is still a tiny baby you know, but so far, you know, it's what four o'clock right now, and there's I know. like there have been people twenty in people here in here, yeah. so that's wonderful. And I, I, given the food desert out here in Research Triangle, I really have high hopes about this value proposition for this kind of yes. business. I do think that we will eventually have more locations. I will point out we did intentionally separate Y Hill Brewing this year as its own distinct brand mm-hmm. from Y Hill Kitchen and Brewing because we wanted to allow ourselves the opportunity to have a beer engine. Okay. Um, beer is very, very easy to grow in terms of physical locations mm-hmm. if you invest in the branding always. Yeah. But you invest in the internal processes and right and you can sell it anywhere distribute anywhere yeah anywhere if you think ahead about it and so we wanted to open that door for ourselves not saying that we want to be like nationally distributed because that's like a whole thing but we just wanted to see what could be and i'm so proud to share that our brewing team brought home three awards this year that's incredible yeah they brought home a gold medal for Luminous Beings, which is a hazy pale ale from the Great American Beer Festival in wow. Colorado, which is like the wow. Oscars of beer. Yeah. And like uh, over 3,000 entries and our sweet little that's beer amazing. won first prize. Isn't that so great? Yeah. I'm I mean, so it's a testament. Yeah. That's so smart um, of you, though, too, to like lean in to the different options that you guys have because I feel like as an entrepreneur, like, I don't know. It's just something in the way that your brain thinks. Like you always have like, you know, you're always thinking and creating. So it's really smart, I think, to create different funnels. Yes. Like it's all about the funnels. Well, we don't want, we never wanted all of our eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know that that would result in like, I mean, I do not exaggerate when I say that going from one physical location to two has taken a year off of my life. Truly. Like, yeah. It is so It's hard. like one kid to two, which is <laughs> why I've never had the so second hard. one. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Um, 
However, I, I have no I have no regrets. Um, I don't know what growth looks like exactly, but I do know that allowing space to dream about what it could be is really important. That's amazing. I mean, like, is it a wine thing? I don't know. I mean, who knows? Right? Yes. Like, is it a series of tap rooms? I don't know. Is it a pizza restaurant? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these things could be. But I think doing what you're doing, where you guys have fully been, like, go with your gut, and you have been very fluid, and I think that is your secret in where you've gotten to be where you are, because it hasn't been... It's like you're super thoughtful and intentional on the things that matter, but you're not so glued to this idea that you can't see out of it or past it should it need to change or pivot. And I think that's kind of the secret for sure. That and like, well, go with your gut is always, yeah, is always important. Yeah. And then if you do a real business analysis of like, there are two full-service restaurants in Research Triangle Park and 50,000 people that come here. Like, right. Okay. The math. <laughs> Just, like, look at the ma- look at the numbers. I, I mean, Why Hill was more gut than numbers. Glasshouse was more numbers than gut. That makes sense. So now we have time for... We have lovely women who have decided to join us today. And I'm so excited. So we're going to go around. And if anybody has questions for Sarah, about her, the business, anything like that. Hi, this is Nicole Case from The Upgraded Career. Thank you so much for letting us in on this really fun conversation today. It's been a ton of fun. And thank you all for the pizza and and sparkling (laughs) rosé, which is also amazing. My question is just to kind of piggyback off of what we just talked about, which is, you know, you dreaming big about what's next. If you all would do a business outside of hospitality, or at least outside of the restaurant industry, what would that be? Ooh. I mean, I have dabbled with, honestly, this idea of, I don't know if it's brand consulting, but when you're in your business and you're in your brain, it's so hard to think about your brand objectively and to have somebody outside of your scary brain to help you connect all of those dots is so useful. And I have really enjoyed that aspect. So like, I don't know if it's brand consulting, but um, particularly with solopreneurs, I feel like I can create you an annual marketing plan in 30 minutes. I don't know. I mean, I just feel, and, and like when I'm doing that for friends, I feel like someone has plugged me into a charging station and I'm like, so that is something I'm exploring. I don't think Chris, I think if it's not restaurants, he'll be on the beach. Like, I think that's it for him. (laughs) And this is not hospital. I I keep wrapping my brain around wine ideas, but it's not really outside of hospitality. How can we make wine more accessible? How can we, make it less douchey how can we you know bring more education to people who want to enjoy wine in a way that meets them where they're at and it's fun I mean how do we make wine more fun yeah hi my name is Caitlin O'Neill and I met Sarah a few years ago at a networking event and have been um, inspired and following her entrepreneurial journey ever since um 
And one of the questions that I have is that both Y Hill and Glass House are so, they're both amazing spaces, but they're both very different in the way that they're architected, designed, the way that they feel. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit to kind of what goes into deciding, you know, even like the, the great atmosphere here, here at Glass House has like a lot of plants and like, how do you kind of prioritize and decide what you want to include in each space? Spoiler alert, we did not design the interior here um, because this is a piece of the campus that we're on. There was a separate design firm, Phase Zero Design, which made all of the final aesthetic choices. Although we did have a say, we were at the table in all of the conversations, but I can't take credit for it. It really is the, the team behind Phase Zero. We knew light was important. We really advocated for natural light, as much natural light as possible. That kind of creates a couple of operational challenges from time to time, but there's just nothing like that. I think even in the triangle, nothing this open. So with Y Hill, we really wanted to bring out the natural, like, already existing elements. You've got these really cool orange steel beams from, you know, like the original steel company. And you have, you just have a lot of cool industrial elements. Before they were all covered by tile and wood paneling, which was the vibe of the day at the time. But we thought that the building just had a lot to say on its own. And to do that also gave us a blank canvas to see how to add to it. For me at Y Hill, plants were really important because all, like, while all of those industrial elements are so cool, they are very masculine. And so you need these softer elements to balance that out. So I really wanted to do plants just like this on the beams at Y Hill. And I swear to God, I'm still going to do it someday. And Chris is going to be so mad at me. <laughs> He's be like, what have you done? Um, but in the tap room specifically, I always thought that that would be really cool. I did. I did. If you go in there now, there's like these two poofs of faux plants in the tap room on the beams that I have jerry-rigged with like floral green wire. And it was my intention to expand them, but I like got distracted with something and then I have no, they're just, they don't look bad, but you know, someday I'll have to take them down, <laughs> like do something with it or like take it down. Yeah. I'm Kitty Kinnon with 96.1 and I have a podcast sound palette. Sarah, I first met through Max, mm -hmm. I believe, uh, when you first opened. Yep. Always impressed by your energy. And I wondered now that you have Joey, a baby, how has your perspective changed as a mother? How has that changed you overall? Oh, my God, I might cry. What a great question. Well, as everyone told me, priorities have changed. Also, my physical, mental capacity has changed without my permission. <laughs> um, so one of the biggest shifts is I do not have the availability I had pre-baby. She needs to be cared for and wiped and fed and cuddled to survive. So, you know, that has to become the first priority. And... What it also has 
meant is that for me, I can no longer involve myself in every single little thing that's happening on site. And that is extremely uncomfortable for me because knowing all the things has been my MO up until now. But now I can't, I mean, I cannot be involved in everything anymore, which is ultimately for the benefit of the business actually and the benefit <laughs> of the team that we're growing. But what it does mean is that when I have uninterrupted work time, I have to prioritize, like I have to ask myself, what is really the most important? What do you have to get done? What is moving the needle on the business? But what it also means is like, I miss calls sometimes. I don't respond to emails. Like I just can't, I cannot get to everything anymore. And that's really uncomfortable. So that's also something I'm reckoning with too. Or employee issues where I used to have emotional capacity to maybe think about how I might say something to like, da, 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 but I don't have, I don't have time. You just have to be direct and not, this almost sounds cruel and I don't mean it to, but not really worry about everyone's feelings so very much. Of course I care about their feelings and their well-being, but you just have to be direct. And that's uncomfortable too, honestly. Why are you saying you're kind of a control freak? What? <laughs> but I also, it's changed my perspective, thirdly, in that hospitality is a notoriously flawed industry. It has a lot of problems. It's very difficult. And I have an opportunity to influence very deeply a company culture in such a way to be supportive of women and more inclusive so that I can, ooh, I've ooh, given me the feelings, yeah. um, so that I can play a role truly in creating a better world for my daughter to come to work. And it's, it is, you know, it's our tiny little company and it is small, but it's also not small in its own way. That's a great question. You're making me cry too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, uh, this is Tiffany Welton. Um, I'm owner of RBF, your authentic champagne bar. Um, so here's my question. Um, I really connected with your story in so many ways, even how you met your husband and, and sort of how those things took your, how you leaped into, did these big leaps into jobs in your family is like, what? the hell you doing girlfriend so I've done those things I've done those leaps I've moved across the country so I really connect in so many ways to your story and I think as I'm embarking in this as well and as a new person into hospitality and I think I keep I, I think I'm finding myself in this role really looking at putting so much of myself and my past and my lessons and really taking a lifetime and putting it into something. So kind of a two-parter, but number one, knowing what you know now and in those moments of your family being like, what in the God's hell are you doing, girlfriend? Um, what would you say to your younger self in that, in that place? But also when we walk into Glass House, when we walk into Y Hill, obviously it's like you said, there's a design company here and, and there were certain things there. What do we see that's you? What, here? It, what do we like when we walk into your locations? It's like you said that the wine list was like very much your baby, but at the end of the day, we put ourselves in. Like, a, we put ourselves in so wholeheartedly, but it, and it comes from so many different places. What do you say? What do you think when we walk in? You're like, that's me. 
first question is, what would you say to your family who may have reacted in a myriad of ways to your big life decisions, right? And what would you say to yourself? yourself, Honestly, I would say you got this. Because even if the thing doesn't go in the way you think it will, and it will not, 100%, it's not going to go in the way that you think Mm -hmm. that it might. However, it is going to lead you to the next right thing. Frozen 2, big fan. <laughs> Have you guys seen Frozen 2? If you haven't, it is not. Oh my God, everybody at this table, please go home. A thousand times. There's a song in, called The Next Right Thing. Um, so when it does not go as you imagine, whatever that means, it is the forces at will are pointing you towards the next right thing. And there is a lesson that you need to learn there are invaluable skills that you will acquire no matter what happens that are going to serve you. So you got this. You're doing it. Fuck the haters. That's what I would say to myself. And also be nicer to yourself, I would say. Like, you're so hard on yourself, self. And like, like you're working so hard and you're, you know, you're doing, you're putting, you're taking on all this risk and you're taking this leap that so many people are afraid to even do. Taking the leap is the scariest part. Just be nicer to yourself. Give yourself, get yourself a pedicure, like, you know, pat yourself on the back. And the words that you say to yourself are so important. The thoughts that you allow into this sacred space of your brain are so important and as a business owner it's already a scary place so like really discerning you know you're a queen you are powerful you are brave you are strong like those kinds of positive messages um, is super important second question is what do you see of Sarah when you walk into a location I mean although I did not personally select each individual plant in every location. The plants are me. There are small, sometimes not so small, decor touches for holidays that are me. (laughs) Just small fuzzy touches that might be the way the glassware is displayed or the restroom sign or the accoutrement on the way to the ladies' room to make sure that you have dental floss if you have something in your teeth. Just sort of like I love to take care of people. I want people to have everything they could possibly need before they know they need it, which is why I'm in the industry that I'm in. It makes me feel, you know, I love, I just love taking care of people. And of course the, you know, that wine rack back there, (laughs) you look at that wine rack and it's pretty. It is. I relate to your experience of building your wine program because it's like showing the world this is who I am. If I could write you a book of who I am, this is who I am in your wine program. And you also want it to be A++ awesome. And accessible. And accessible and like hitting all the notes and balanced and profitable. (laughs) Like, you know, you want someone to come in and be like, oh, hot damn, this girl's got it. (laughs) She knows what she's doing. 
but tell I yourself don't know what I'm doing. But, but tell you, you. But, <laughs> but you, but you do though. Like I know, like you gotta know when to say I don't know what I'm doing, and when I do know what I'm doing. You gotta know when to do that because you do. If you're doing this, if you have the call inside of you to open a champagne bar, then yeah, you know something about champagne that's valuable to share with the world. The world's gonna enjoy. You may not know how to. I'm adding a. Um, telling myself yes queen to my list for tomorrow. Yes queen. <laughs> it has not been on my list today but yes. I can do that. <laughs> yes. But that's also why groups like this are so important so that when you do have these moments of things being hard and having a hard time finding those positive things to say to yourself that you have a community of women who've got your back who can do that for you. That's the hope. I mean really like the purpose of the Women's Social Club is to provide an atmosphere the reason why we have women business owners or leaders tell their stories as part of our events is to create that vulnerable atmosphere they set the tone because like sarah doesn't has done an amazing job of being real she's not just like and it was all worth it and here we are because i have been to conferences and things like that and that is not helpful if anything it makes you feel more like a failure so I don't know. I just feel like there's something to be said when someone who, I mean, a lot of us, it is aspirational to see you as a woman who is new to the area and killing it. It's very aspirational and it's encouraging, but like you keep it real and you talk about like the, the hardest parts, like, and it makes it feel relatable because all of us have different strengths and weaknesses and moments in our journey that we all want to quit. And it helps keep us going, especially from another woman who has been there or is going through something, too. So I can tell you, honestly, like the number of times that I think I want to quit is way more. I just want people to know that I have heard so many lovely things about our restaurants and people's experiences there. And like, I'm so glad that on the outside it looks great. But I do also feel that way. A lot. Yeah. I think normalizing that. Like, yeah. It's it's totally normal to feel like I regret everything. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I want to quit. Yes. Um, But but that's just part of it. Yeah. So, like, we should shed light on that more. I totally. So that when people have that feeling, they don't feel, they feel like, oh, right, this is part of what this means. Yes. This is part of it. Thank you to Sarah and everyone who joined us for our first live recording of the Women's Social Club podcast. We'll put all of Sarah's links in the show notes, but you can start by visiting glasshousekitchennc.com and whyhill.com. That's W-Y-E-Hill.com. And a few ways to follow Women's Social Club. One, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. And two, you can visit thewomensocialclub.co and find the community that's closest to you. If there's nothing close to you, please let us know. And third, follow us on social media where you'll find clips of this podcast as well as Women's Social Club's events throughout the country. We're at Women's Social Club on both Instagram and TikTok and at The Women's Social Club on Facebook. 
This podcast is edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Hannah Weisberg. On behalf of everyone at the Women's Social Club, we can't wait to welcome you into our sisterhood. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.